When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I'm going to lead off with a mini Mitch in Vegas. <laughs> Stanley Cup Finals Game 3 tonight, 7 o'clock on TNT. The over-under is 5.5 on goals. Take the over. Hammer the over home. 5.5? I think the Knights alone will score 5 goals. I would imagine the Panthers will score at least 1 at home as the Golden Knights are just crushing Florida in the first two games. Game 3 tonight. Meanwhile, Troy's Denver Nuggets is now up two games to one after a convincing win to Miami last night. And that's a perfect 3-0 and thus far for my 50-plus PRA bet. 50, 50 points combined with rebounds and assists. 50-plus PRA in each game in the, in the uh, finals for one Nikola Jokic. All right, pause for just a moment. Travion, if you can, play my uh, play the uh, casino background because we this is impromptu Troy in Vegas. <laughs> did you make any money last night? I did, but it was not on the NBA. It was on baseball. Give me a moment. Well, the Royals lost, so that's easy money. Yeah, well, they weren't in my mix last night. They probably should have been. And I was going to say, like... I, I don't. I, I never. You know, baseball. I, I was told a long time ago you never bet on baseball, uh, but I think the Royals would be a pretty sure bet. You know, nine times out of ten, to just take whoever they're playing. So, even um, though probably not wouldn't be great odds. Oh, I take that back. I did pick up. Uh, I did pick up my under and Nuggets money line. Okay. Bet which won me six bucks, and my baseball was off by one. Stupid Red Sox. And you missed, uh, and you didn't, so you didn't hit anything for game three of the finals? I did not hit anything for game three of the finals, give unfortunately. Your, give me your most ridiculous parlay. Uh, okay, well, that was the simple parlay in that I had <laughs> Jokic uh, with likely triple double 25 plus points, 10 plus rebounds, 8 plus assists. Bruce Brown, one, th- uh, one plus made three. Nikola Jokic, one plus made three. Max Struess, one plus made three. I got all of those. Contavious Caldwell Pope was a... All he needed was a three. All he needed was a three. But no, didn't get it. And so I lost out on 15 bucks. How much was the bet? Three. Hmm. That's a big blow for you. Would have been a nice 15. I don't don't think I've ever heard you put more than $2 on the bet. Oh, listen to you. (laughs) I'm being honest. I I don't think I have. I picked up five on a straight Astros bet earlier this week. Thank you very little. All right. So playing with house money. (laughs) Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale. Travion Berklin is with us today. Now, Trey was at a concert last night, and I, I need to hear the reaction to this, because last night he saw Dead and Company. 
Now tell me Ooh. who is in Dead and Company. Um, so Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead. I think it's him and some other guy from The Grateful Dead. I don't. I think they're the last two original members that are still in the band. Correct. And then John Mayer's in there, and he pl- does all the Jerry Garcia stuff. And he was really good. He's a great. I think he's the best guitar player I've ever seen live. He was okay. really good. Really, really good. And just overall, it was just an interesting experience, both outside the concert and then once you get in, just a lot of a lot of people, a lot of things I've never seen before, and just... Uh, oh, well, I need to hear the details on that. <laughs> what have you not seen before that you saw last night? Um, well, I guess <laughs> I'll start in the parking lot, because <laughs> just like, it was like a festival, just getting there. First of all, where was this? This was in St. Louis. Oh, wow. At the Ameristar Casino Amphitheater. I've never been there before. Last Yesterday, did you drive to and from yesterday? Yes. Wow. Look mm-hmm. at this guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Bob Weir, you nailed Mickey yeah. Hart, Mickey Hart, yes, who's one of their drummers, and Bill Kreitzman, mm-hmm. who is also on drums. Okay, those were members of the Grateful Dead that are still part of Dead and Company. Okay, right. and there's a couple of them are still alive. They just don't tour with the band anymore. That's correct. Which is weird. Correct. We wanted to continue to tour, and that's why this got put together. Right. And they do a Fourth of July every year at uh, at Folsom Field. Oh, nice. So, okay. yeah. I think their next stop from this last show is Boulder for like three days. Yeah, it, it, um, including their 4th of July. I mean, they, they take their time. Right. It's not it's not an every weekend event that you got a Dead & Company concert. Right. And this is their last tour, apparently, too. This, they're calling this the final tour. Well, I know Sloan from K-Rock, he's going to Boulder right. to see one of those shows. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right, so back to what you had never seen before. Okay, so like the parking lot in, at the beginning was already a party. I've never seen more dedicated people at an event. Like people were set up like way <laughs> beforehand. I thought Kiss fans were dedicated, but Deadheads <laughs> are like they take the cake. They all, you know, were super into it, selling their own merch on things. Mm. Stones. I didn't know. I thought they were selling balloons, but I didn't realize what they were for at first. And then I realized it was, you know, it was for certain use. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. 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 I love it. I, I just went to the <laughs> website uh, for the promotion of the final tour. And the icon that your mouse icon as you make moves on there is the Grateful Dead logo. Right. The, the skull. Okay. Yeah. And just it was it was interesting. People running around with without shoes and uh, maybe not certain. I thought areas you were gonna say clothing. running around. With, okay, there it is. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for that. But what, so, what about inside? What did you not see before? Once we got into the show and they actually started playing, just like people running around a lot, a lot of running around, a lot of dancing. Like people weren't yeah. even watching the stage; they were just in their own world, whether it was because of certain substances or not. Um, I would say ooh. more likely yeah. yes than not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was just like I've never seen such a chill crowd lose their mind over things that weren't for the band. So how long was the show? It was a four-hour show. Good God! It was really, really long. Dude, um, they're at Wrigley this weekend. Wow. Oh, ri- oh okay. Uh, nice. Saturday. Saturday is a sellout. Okay. Yeah, this show was a sold-out show as well. And you said, where was this? This was at a what? The Hollywood um, okay, Casino so Amphitheater. Outside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a pretty big venue. It was really nice. They Like, you can rent a chair on the lawn and stuff. I really enjoyed that. 
just sat the whole time and just vibed out. I'd imagine, yeah, the people watching would be probably worth the price of admission just on its own. But four hours of a lot of jamming, did it get old? No, because they kind of they kept up the pace. They would throw in some covers in there, like they did Johnny Be Good, which I thought was really strange, but it mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. They did it in two sets, so they did like the first set for about like an hour and a half. They waited another thirty minutes, and then they did the other hour and a half set. Okay. Um, they needed time to go backstage. Right. Yeah. Because I don't know Catch how, buzz again. how mm-hmm. old Bob exactly. Weir is, but I think he's he's getting up there. Mm-hmm. But he sounded great. They you know they all sounded really really good. So what's next on the Travion concert schedule? This Sunday. Uh, oh, it's a Weezer. Weezer yeah. and Modest Mouse, because Weezer's one of my favorite bands of all time. I'm excited. Right now, how many shows do you have tickets for right now that's coming up? Oh, God, I'd have to count. I, I don't know. I have a bunch of festivals coming up. So, Are, are you, you going to be traveling down. long distances to go to these shows? Uh, yeah. So, like, what's the farthest? Um, Indio, California for Power Trip in October. Oh, is that like ACDC, Metallica? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who else is there? Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses, Tool. Wow, um, you're going to that Ozzy. show, huh? Yep, yep. I saw Ozzy and ACDC and I was like, I gotta go because they're not gonna yeah. do many shows. I mean, so. Ozzy, I've not seen. I haven't seen ACDC either. I, I mean, I'm more of an Ozzy fan. Uh, boy, that's, I, I know those tickets aren't cheap. No. <laughs> I mean, you because you're. I got the you, cheapest pop possible option, so the what, more sit difficult in your car and listen from the parking lot. Because <laughs> I'm sure they would sell tickets to that too. And that's the hardest thing about that show. I can't find a hotel room to save my life in Indio, California. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, are you going to drive or are you going to fly? I I'm trying to figure like if I can't find a hotel room, I'm probably going to drive. Where is it, where is Indio? It's <sighs> like what's it close to? Is it within an hour of a city? I think so. I think it's like an hour and a half from L.A. I mean, that's probably why if you're that More close north to of L.A. LA. Hmm. I'm looking it up right now because I don't know Indio necessarily. 75 east of Riverside, 23 east of Palm Springs. Okay. Oh, I mean, Palm Springs would be the place to go then. Boy, you yeah, might get John Kurtz to go with you because he, he loves that movie, Palm Springs. <laughs> yeah. But that's probably where you'd find the hotels, maybe. You're not oh, you're also really close to Joshua Tree. Yeah. National Park. Yeah. I mean, you can this knock so the, much out. This is the same location they do Coachella every year. Yes. Okay. So Yep. 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 That that's would make sense. Okay, so what was the set I gotta ask how much the ticket was then? What was the cheapest ticket they offered? Because is it so I'm Probably sold out by now, isn't it? I don't think so, but the lowest was four hundred. But I mean, I mean, that's pretty like standard for a festival like that. Um, and you could do a payment plan, like I'm doing a payment plan. And for it's it. in October too. Of course, it's during football. Like, and I knew it was during the football season, but man, I would love to honestly go to that show. I've seen Iron Maiden. I wasn't a fan, but Guns N' Roses was great, and they're actually coming to Kansas City this mm-hmm. summer. Actually, in September. Right. ACDC and Ozzy Osbourne. They don't tour anymore, right. but they're doing this show. I don't know when the last time ACDC's been around. And I saw Metallica a few years ago, and I've never seen Tool. So. And I'd imagine there'll be a few other bands this along is it. on that. There's that's only, it. That's it. Wow, yeah, okay. They're just going to be evening shows. It's not an all-day thing. You just, you know, that's it. I'd try to, if I was this promoter, I'd try to tack on a couple of openers at least. Right, right. But I think it's based on, they did Desert Trip a few years ago, which was kind of the similar format. They did, um, it was Roger Waters and 
Paul McCartney and the Rolling Stones and uh, Neil Young, somebody else too, but it was kind of like six big headliners like that. They're doing a similar thing, but more hard rock this time. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'm still just don't have all the details figured out with it. So, well, you know what? As I told Pete Hughes a year ago, over a year ago, my hidden talent is booking trips. Oh, I'm go. very uh-huh. good at booking trips and finding the best deals for hotels or rental cars, plane tickets, things like that. So nice. if you need any help, come to this guy and I'll find you a good deal. <laughs> gotcha, Let's take our gotcha. first break. We got a very busy show coming up at 510. We are going to hear from K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes. Hopefully 10 days has been enough to try to cool off after his team was robbed of an NCAA tournament spot, but we'll get his reaction after he did release, a, of course, a, a response to what is wrong with the selection process. But we'll get his thoughts once again on Casey being left out of the NCAA tournament. Coming up next, our first guest of the day, Mason Voth from EMA Online. We'll catch up with Mason next. Welcome back to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland in studio. We're live for a full two hours. We'll speak with K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes coming up at 510. Bill from here at the station, uh, let me know that Manhattan High has posted their football schedule for 2023 on their website. Looking at it right now, it's it's flip-flop from last year. Derby will be the home opener. So back-to-back home games against Derby. Dating Ooh. back to last season. Ooh. Except this Derby team does not have Dylan Edwards anymore. Right. And uh, Samuel Sami, or I can't remember how to say his last name, something like that. He was a defensive end that's going to be going to Iowa State uh, without those two players, but I'm sure they'll still be very talented. Home games with Hayes, Emporia, and Junction City. He came in and, and asked me, is there going to be a Thursday game this year? I was like, well, not that I know of. He's like, it's week two. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Topeka High shares... Uh, Hummer Sports Park with a number of schools, and I'm sure they just have more than one team that has a home game that weekend. So, th- th- you know, they can't play two games in one night right. at Hummer Sports Park. So that's why Manhattan High at Topeka High on September 7th, that's going to be a Thursday game this year. I got so used to Thursday games out west it, it because too many of the facilities are shared. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it's just a, a common thing. Uh, it's so much less around here, and it's nice. It's been a couple of weeks. Let's use this time to catch up right now with a former host of this show. He's now EMA Online head man. That is Mason Voth from EMA Online joins us via Zoom. Mason, I, I think you got a, a feeling of where we're going to start. And this was a big topic a couple of days ago with Troy and I. And that is the merger of the PGA and Live Golf. Of Mason's point of view, is this good or bad for golf? Uh, well, it depends on what actually ends up coming out of it and what ends up happening. So if, if live as the current way it stands right now, as the event goes away in the long run, this will be a good thing for golf. I, my biggest beef with live and all the guys that left for it, look, I, the, the human rights stuff and how horrific of people, uh, the Saudi Arabian government is. 
ultimately in sports, we don't really care how good of a person you are as long as you give us a product that we like. And every single team does that. The Chiefs have had bad actors on them before. The Royals have had bad actors on them before. And we still we still cheer for them. Like, it still happens. And so my, my biggest beef was never that Liv was being funded by the Saudi government. But that is kind of a nice, you know, kicker at the end when you can say, okay, yeah, so you're going to join this league that really isn't fully competitive. You're just trying to get this big payday. It's not really going to work. It's not going to be fun to watch. And you're doing it for a bunch of people that, you know, just kill people because they're gay or they're a journalist or they don't agree with them. And that's how they roll. So from that standpoint, like, I, you know, I get it. Um, but I think live being phased out is a good thing. And I think that's likely what will happen. Um, it certainly sucks that the PGA Tour had to, you know, get in bed with these people. But we, we know that there are a lot of other, uh, whether it's the government are in our own country or businesses in our own country that we still use and have to deal with on a regular basis. In some way, they're connected to, to Saudi Arabia or, or bad people a time or two. And the way that I ultimately view this is the PGA Tour realized that they were going to be able to not have to worry about Liv in any serious manner. Like Liv was not going to continue to poach golfers from them and Liv was not going to be able to get TV ratings and it was going to eventually disappear because it just wasn't worth it. So the PGA Tour, who had to make all these mass amounts of changes to try and keep some of their golfers happy with designated events, higher purses, they were in a position where they figured, okay, instead of just killing Liv and not getting any of that Saudi Arabian billions and billions of dollars, let's just suck it up, have some agar on our face, which Jay Monahan and plenty of people involved with the tour are doing right now, but we will get an absolute bag from Saudi Arabia that we would not have gotten otherwise if we had just kind of suffocated them out anyway. So from that standpoint, like I think that's why the PGA Tour made this move. And another thing, too, is they were going to be wrapped up in just mass amounts of litigation. And because Liv and the public investment fund was going to be able to have as much money as they needed to just kind of keep those things going on, the PGA Tour was going to have a finite amount of resources. And those legal costs would have really started to hurt them. And that would have been the avenue for Liv to maybe squeeze the PGA Tour out. So I think there is logic behind why the PGA Tour did this. It all sucks. There all there may be bad things that come out of it because at the end of the day, when you do business with bad people, eventually something somewhere is probably going to come up that you don't like or isn't beneficial for you. But ultimately, I get why the PGA Tour did this. Um, they look really stupid right now, but it makes sense to me. And I don't think that we're going to see like mass changes that affect how I watch the PGA Tour on a regular basis. One thing I wanted to note, though, is that I am concerned for Jim Nance if he blows any promo lines during uh, any of the broadcasts. Uh, yeah, I would say uh, watch your head. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I want to spin off of what, one of the comments you made there, Mace, and that is I mean, there was a, obviously a lot of golfers that that didn't swallow the pride in the first round of guys jumping to live golf and didn't take the blood money, and they stayed loyal to the PGA. Meanwhile, now the PGA has been disloyal to them after they took a bullet for the PGA. So what if you're one of those golfers? Is this now time to swallow your pride? Because it's about the only 
option they have unless they want to retire. My guess is going to be that they're some of the more vocal players that have the cachet to uh, to have been offered mass amounts by Liv are probably going to be made whole in some fashion. And because you have billions and billions of dollars that have just been thrust into your possession as the PGA Tour, a guy like John Rahm, a guy like Victor Hovland, um, any of these big stars that stayed but got offers from Liv are probably going to get some kind of significant bonus um, whether we actually end up knowing about it or whatever, I think that's probably going to have to happen at some point because um, those guys would feel cheated in some regard, especially as soon as the PGA Tour starts reapproving come next season, a guy like Cam Smith or Dustin Johnson or Phil Mickelson to come back onto the PGA Tour. And so they got that mass amount of money, and now they were just allowed to be back onto the Tour. Um, I think you're going to have to make some of these big names that decided to stay on the PGA Tour whole. And so I would assume that happens. Like, you've got limitless funds now. Make it happen. Pay everybody. Make them happy. Push it away. And now let's just reset and uh, see what professional golf looks like moving forward. What are your thoughts if it turns into Live being still a completely separate tour with the type of events that they've been running? Uh, I'll hate it. I think it's really (laughs) dumb. Uh, I mean, I, the, the three rounds thing, who, whatever, um, I think it's silly. Every, every professional golf event has been four rounds. Every significant golf event is four rounds. The big 12 tournament is four rounds. The NCAA tournament is four rounds. Um, anything of significance has always been four rounds in golf and that's how you stack it up. That's how you compare things in sports. Even if it sounds cheesy and silly, like we have records and as much as we can try, we should try and preserve the situations that those records were created in. Um, the NBA's played 82 games for a long time. Major league baseball, despite people saying that they need to play less, they continue to play 162 games. Like I think that stuff just has to happen. And on top of it, a, a field of 48 guys, I'm really not all that interested in uh, because you're going to have then half the guys show up that probably just don't have it that week. And then you're going to have another handful that they do all right. And then somebody will rise to the top. But that you're not really testing yourself. So you're only going up against 47 other guys uh, when there are plenty of other golfers that are great on the tour. And in addition to that, I think the way that Liv has done the team thing is really stupid. We don't need to have team competitions every single week. And I know the PGA Tour said that they're going to continue to explore that and keep that in some element. My suggestion suggestion on what they do for the team side of it is you essentially make it like a World Cup and you say the top however many golfers in the country, they get to be the captain of a team. They have a draft, select their golfers, and every couple of weeks uh, you will have a venue where – a select few of those teams go play, compete against each other in matches, and essentially it's like a group stage. And then at the end of the year, you would have all the teams that advanced out of the group get to the finals, play that somewhere, have it be a big event, and I think that would be successful and essentially make it like a World Cup of golf um, because we already have the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. I think the President's Cup can die. I think it's kind of silly. The international team never wins it because they can't have any of the European golfers in it. It really doesn't matter. It's just something that the PGA Tour made to make money in the off year of the Ryder Cup. 
So I think that's something that could be replaced and explored. Uh, but I just think a lot of what Liv has done, the only appeal to it is the fact that you could still see some of the better golfers like Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, whoever, uh, play. And now that they can be back on the PGA Tour, they got to find some way to get back together. Speaking with Mason Vogt from Email Online, and I know, Mason, we're, we're K-State fans. It may seem like the NCAA tournament only goes four rounds, uh, ending in the Elite Eight. Uh, but I think it goes five or six uh, these days if you're able well, to get past the, the Elite I, Eight. I was, talking, I was talking about the NCAA golf tournament, not the okay. NCAA oh, basketball oh. tournament. You're, you are right about that, though. The basketball tournament does indeed go six rounds. K-State hasn't gone six rounds for what sadly 70 years or something it's been a minute Let, let's since we're on the topic of basketball uh, I was reading one of your articles earlier today you had a hot take that I haven't really explored yet uh, because it, we're just you know we're still ways away from this next season to begin until the cats play uh, the Prince LeBron James Jr. <laughs> in, in Vegas but uh and that is that there's still three three scholarships available I'd like to expand on this because you 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 feel that as a prediction that the cats may not fill all three. Yeah, I just I think at the to the stage where we're at, and I know last year K State got a bunch of these guys to come in late. The circumstances were a little bit different in some of those last season. Um, but I just think it, as the roster is constructed right now, they do have a lot of the guys that are going to be on the floor for them next season. They're I, I think in reality with the guys that are left in the portal, they could only add probably two more guys that could be rotation-type players. Uh, and I just think that if you were to add three, that you're likely adding just to add. And Jerome Tang has been open at times this offseason about um, saying that they won't just do that, add to add. And so my, my assumption is, and just kind of based off of gut feel, is that they probably end up leaving a scholarship open. Like, I don't think they would leave all three open. That would probably be a little insane. At some point, they'll want to add some guys that, even if they don't fully believe in them, say they have one year of eligibility left and there's some upside as depth pieces. But I do kind of feel like not all three of the remaining scholarships get used, which can be beneficial to them uh, because then you know for a fact which scholarships you're going to have to work with for high school recruiting, uh, moving forward for this upcoming year of 2024, and then also uh, what you'll be able to have ready to go for uh, the, the portal situation next year. So I, I just think it seems like it's headed in a direction where they probably leave a scholarship open. Big topic with, with D.Y. and I last week was we were talking about Naquan Tomlin, his decision to come back for one more year and then hope for a better positioning for uh, the NBA draft for the 2024 draft. The, the big topic was the potential of Naquan Tomlin. I'd like to get your opinion on that just as a player for K-State this upcoming season and potential is like how high you think he could be as a draft pick next year. Well, for this next season at K-State, I think it's just all going to come down to what what is he able to get better at this offseason? What, what improves significantly this summer? Um, to me, I think it would be He's more aggressive when he has the ball, and certainly with the team that he has this year, he's going to have that opportunity because he should be this team's first or second best player. So last year where the offense would defer to Marquise Noel or Keontae Johnson, this year it's going to be Naquan Tomlin and Tyler Perry that are the, the main cogs on the offense. So is he able to, whenever he wants, get out beyond the arc and then take the ball and make something happen 
with the, off the dribble and finish at the rim. It's just a little more aggression, and that's going to come with him getting better with some of his touch around the bucket. Because of his size and athleticism, he can jump higher than a lot of guys, and he's significantly taller than them. So can he just get in there and, and kind of be an acrobat uh, when he finishes? That's going to be something that is significant. And then I just think that there are little other things that he's going to have to refine to where last year he could kind of get by with it uh, in the Big 12 because he had just so much raw talent and, and athleticism. But if he starts to refine those, then he can really be a significant threat in this league, whereas last year he was just kind of a nice third or fourth piece on a roster. Now, where he could go in the draft next year, the I mean, if, if anybody's watched the NBA draft in the last 10 or 15 years, after like the top – two picks the draft absolutely sucks and after the top 10 picks you're lucky if you're getting a guy that's ever going to contribute on an NBA basketball team so he's a lock to go in the draft next year I have no doubt about that with everything I just mentioned like NBA teams absolutely love that and will think that they can develop that what could change all that is if Naquan Tomlin has developed that himself in a lot of areas this offseason and puts it into practice next year on the floor there's no reason to think that Naquan Tomlin can't be a first-round pick in the NBA draft. And I think even as it stands right now, like some team could get a crazy itch and see something in him and decide that this year they maybe would have done it. But I know that he'll go in the draft based off of the talk this year and also um, when Alec, our trader, who left us for the <laughs> Indiana site. Uh, no, I, 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 that's a joke, people. I, I like Alec. I, I told him to take the job. Uh uh, he he knows some guys that cover the NBA draft regularly and, and have a much better understanding of it than I do. And even before he started to kind of pop up in, in serious conversations there this year, and we knew that Jerome Tang and the staff had said he's got NBA potential, they were talking about that, yeah, he, he could be drafted this year. So he's been on NBA radars now for a long time. And if he just gets slightly better this season, I think he's a lock to go in the first round next year. Well, as I think about maybe when the next time we'll talk to you is probably after the NBA draft, I think this is a good time to bring up Marquise Noel, who's actually been getting a lot more opportunities to work out for teams than Keontae Johnson. And Keontae projected to be a second rounder. Marquise Noel is not projected to be picked up in the NBA draft unless you know his name starts to move up in the draft boards in the next week and a half. I mean, I don't know. What's your thoughts on Marquise Noel and his and – his, probability to be picked in the draft well my guess would be that since Keontae Johnson is probably going to be a few teams priority that's probably why it's been a little bit more limited um the there's certainly a, a spot where they probably project him to go and teams around there say hey if you're there we're taking you and as long as he feels good and comfortable with a few of those teams then he probably won't work out for too many in terms of Marquise Noel I think he's getting all these workouts because with what he did in the NCAA tournament, like he took his game to another level. We we knew he was really, really good all of last season. But even in the NCAA tournament, he was even better than at any point in the season when we had seen him play, those of us that watch K-State on a regular basis. And I think that a lot of that, it comes down to how he was assisting the basketball because the turnovers were basically completely gone from his game in the NCAA tournament. And the, the assists, not only were they coming at a very high clip, they were coming 
in very impressive ways, whether it was some of the flashy stuff or even just the timing of everything. Marquise Noel was on top of it. He had the steals to go with it, too. His three-point shooting got even better in the NCAA tournament. And even though I thought Marquise Noel had zero chance to be an NBA or going into the NCAA tournament, the more I thought about it afterwards and watched it take place, if he can do that with really only having guys like Keontae Johnson and Naquan Tomlin that can finish his assists, he has a possible role somewhere in the NBA on a bench as an undersized guy where they say, okay, look, we're going to send you out there. We know that you can make our offense better in terms of you can make some passes. So I think that there is an avenue now. It just comes down to these teams need to see, can you actually match up on a regular basis with some of the size that's going to be out there and what else is there to your game? And so since he's going to be an undrafted free agent, Uh, I think a lot of teams are going to want to look at him and they'll see him as a guy that probably doesn't have a ton of upside, like really high ceiling stuff. But if they were to sign him to a two-way deal or just on their G League team and maybe get a call up at some point, he is a guy that probably would have a very like high floor. And that's something that I guess could be valuable to them where you know you'll get a guy that can absolutely run your offense and facilitate to others. Speaking with Mason Vogt from Email Online, check out Email Online because some of the recent articles, very solid from Mason, including with visits for 2024, really starting to ramp up the latest on K-State recruiting, plus uh, best Big 12 non-conference games, according to Mason. Go to Email Online, go subscribe, and check out what's going on with K-State Athletics. To wrap up, Mason, NBA Finals, Nuggets are up two games to one. How many games is it going to take for the Nuggets to get it done? Uh, I I don't know, and I don't care. I, I told what? myself that I was going to watch more uh, of the NBA playoffs this year, but I just I can't do it. And, and it's look, I'm not racist. I have to. I, I feel like you have to say that whenever you talk about not liking the NBA. I promise you, I'm not. I just I the NBA doesn't do it for me. Uh, just the Man, basketball. This is breaking news. I, look, I, I can enjoy it at times, and I'll watch the Mavs play, but I really don't care about the Nuggets or the Heat because basically I think it's a foregone conclusion that the Nuggets win it. The Heat and their fans are the most annoying people in basketball circles. Um, they are like the Patriots fans of the NFL or whatever, uh, like Yankees fans of Major League Baseball. Like They're just the absolute worst. Actually, I think Heat fans are much more like Cardinals fans, where they they think that they are just so much holier than everybody else, and they feel like they, they know something that nobody else knows in the game. It's like, eh, I don't know. I think you're just in the middle of a really good stretch. But I don't know. The NBA just doesn't do it for me. It's not as entertaining and exciting. And I honestly think it's because the players are so good that it can be a little boring sometimes. Um, I, I think that's why college basketball is is so much better of a product to me is because, number one, the fans are much more into it, and number two, there's some variety to the game, whereas in the NBA, you know the script. A team's going to get up by 17 points in the second quarter, and you don't have to watch anything up until the fourth quarter because the other team's going to come back, it's going to get close again, and then somebody's going to pull away. I just The NBA's never really done it for me. I, I don't know how or why anybody would watch it on a regular basis, and I certainly don't care when I think the finals are a foregone conclusion. I don't really care who wins. So I've not been watching much of it. 
I think I watched a little bit of game one. I haven't watched the last two games, and I definitely don't need to watch it if Christian Brown is going to be playing well. That's <laughs> going to be hey, horrific you, as well. Th- so. th- that is the one aspect of this that is painful to me. That is the one aspect of it that it was, is painful. It was really good yesterday. I know. Uh, former Kansas oh, Jayhawk. Real quick, can we – I the way people were talking about it with how he played yesterday, I thought he must have had like 25, 30 points. And then I was in my car today, and I heard uh, one of the, the guys down here <laughs> say that he had 15 points. And I was like, okay, in the NBA, 15 points, that's like six points in a college game. Everybody scores 15 points. Like – a good game, but 15 points? I thought it was much better than that. Everybody acted like he was the second coming of Michael Jordan out there last night based off what I saw on Twitter and heard from places, and instead it's just 15 points. Media took uh, took Jokic's comments regarding him at face value and yeah, just went from there. Yeah, I don't know. I The NBA is, is fine, and I will defend it against people that really hate the NBA because I don't hate it and I can watch it at times. Uh, but it's one of those deals that it's really going to take something special for me to like go out of my way to watch it, and these finals just don't do it for me. I never would have predicted Mason Voth gravitating towards my direction when it comes to how I feel about the NBA. I don't hate it, but I don't invest in it. I'll, I'll catch Damn it me. once in a while, but I know, I've, right. never, I've never Mitch, lived in the NBA market other than six months in New York City. What's that? This is, this, you need to do this right now. Okay. Tell the people that you're not racist because you hate the NBA. I'm not racist because I don't like the NBA. Okay. Yeah, I just there's a there's a safety. I think there's yeah. a connotation Covering. when when you say that. So you, you just gotta be sure. Uh let's see. Was there anything else? Mason, I'll let you go. Thanks for your time. All right, sounds good. Hey, I'm gonna be in Manhattan on uh, June nineteenth. So if you guys need me in studio, just let me know. June what day is what day of the week is that's that? A, that's a Monday. What why are you gonna be in town? Uh well, I just, it's it's a little last hurrah before uh, the baby comes and i so i told my brother that i would play in a golf tournament this year okay uh so i, I have to play in that tuesday morning in manhattan aggieville baby oh, that's that's what i was thinking i was like that's not mason's uh that's not his idea of a last hurrah <laughs> 18 uh, holes is his last hurrah yeah that's a valid point <laughs> yes all right well then I'll, uh we'll see if we can get you in studio thanks mason sounds good we'll see you it's Mason Voth from Emaw Online. We'll wrap up uh, our one of the show next. We wrap up our one of the game here on K-Man. Mitch, Troy, and Trey. 537-1350 is our phone number. And uh, if you miss any of the show, look us up on Spotify. You can look us up on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Game Came In and keep up what's going on with KC Sports and a whole lot more, including number one song of the day. Actually, no longer on our podcast, unfortunately, due to copyright issues. Uh, But that is coming up at 540. Ask Us Anything is also coming up at 550. Plus, in hour number two, we're going to hear from K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes. And by the way, rest in peace, Iron Sheik. Man, what a legend that guy was, not just in wrestling, but man, on the Howard Stern show, wherever he showed up on TV or radio, Twitter. His Twitter account was insane. He wasn't running his own Twitter account, but you could just picture him running the account with the comments that were made, but his, uh, I don't know, his manager or whoever was actually running it for him. There's a documentary on 
the Iron Sheik, that was really good. But man in the ring, he made Hulk Hogan. And he did not like Hulk Hogan, but made him. Made him into a made man. He, he uh, uh, did the job for Hulk Hogan when he lost the world championship to Hogan for the first time. And uh, Hogan became a big thing after that. So, mm-hmm. uh, But the Iron Sheik, he, he used his Hall of Fame uh, speech to call Hulk Hogan a jabroni like 10 times. <laughs> Would break his back and make him humble. That was the Iron Sheik. But man, was that guy a loose cannon on... I th- there used to be a video on YouTube, and it was uh, Iron Sheik outtakes for oh uh, for his promos. Holy cow, what, was it entertaining? There's actually one that there's like a turkey in front of him. He like takes the turkey and like this looks like Hulk Hogan to me, and he starts shaking the turkey's head and stuff. It was what and Mean Gene Oakland is losing it. Sure, and Mean Gene's supposed to be like you know stone face interviewer. Just simple. Right. Just keep it chill. Although Mean Gene, what a what a charismatic individual he was when he had the chance. Mean Gene couldn't hold it in. It was, it was really good. Really funny stuff. Um, in the world of soccer, this was huge news yesterday. Messi, who just won a World Cup with Argentina, is now going to start playing soccer in the United States, maybe as early as next month, for Inter-Miami FC. Messi turned down a deal to play in Saudi Arabia that was worth over $1 billion. He turned it down to play in the MLS. What's very interesting about this is that in his deal, Messi signing with uh, Inter-Miami FC, some of the revenue he's going to get is going to be from portions from MLS season pass, from Apple is a part of his contract as well. Don't know how much money that is. I would imagine, though, he was going to get a whole lot more if he were to play in in Saudi Arabia. But this is a, a huge deal for Miami FC. So this was, this was incredibly fascinating to learn this number. So for professional teams, there is a new leader in the clubhouse for Instagram followers because Miami FC, in 24 hours since the deal was announced, has received 4.2 million more followers, making Inter-Miami CF, rather, they now have the most Instagram followers than any other professional team in the United States. Holy smokes. That is what we call the Messi effect. He's one of the most popular, one of the best soccer players of all time. And by the way, ticket sales now through the roof as high as $450 to go to one match. Hour to the game, including Pete Hughes, coming up next. Here comes your local news.